Welcome to Lord John Lander, the Outlander podcast for Lord John fans, where we talk all things Outlander, but especially about Jamie and his Sassanac. And sometimes we talk about Claire, too. We can't promise you much, but for the next half hour-ish, we can promise chaos and to make you question whatever life choices led you to listen to us. Before we get into it, this is your one and only warning that show and book spoilers are lurking around every corner. We're even going to spoil crap that never happened. Hello, welcome to Lord John Lander. We're your hosts. I'm Mistress Pandora, and I am joined with my co-host. It's Beth, um, otherwise known as J Sweet Prey on AO3 and J Sweet Prey 747 on Tumblr and Twitter. So we are today going to go through episode 103, The Way Out. Um, I think before we get into it, why don't we, we have, we have a corrections and clarifications segment. Um, so last time we, we asked the, the burning question that has honestly been bothering me for a few years, which what the hell is a fiscal? Um, Cause we're talking about Galus, the fiscal's wife. What's the freaking yes. fiscal? So I, I did a little research and apparently in this context, in this context, the fiscal is basically a prosecutor. So I pulled this out of wiki. Um, in the 18th century, the, pro- the procurator fiscal, their primary duty was to collect taxes and other dues um, until about the 18th century when they actually became more of like a prosecutor in the sheriff court um, with the passage of the Criminal Procedure Scotland Act in 1701. So in this way, they're actually over more like private prosecutions or uh, prosecutions executed on behalf of the crown, that kind of thing. So kind of very loosely translated um, and to the modern American terms, Mr. Duncan is roughly the DA, uh, but also the judge. And if our Scottish correspondent is listening to this, um, I'm sure we will get corrected, but that's, that's good. That's that's why we have them. (laughs) Judge and jury, right? Judge and jury. It's wonderful. Um, and then we also, you brought up our a, a fic wreck on the last episode as well, Second Wife, but we couldn't recall the name of the author. Um, and that is by Between Scenes. Um, so that, that link would have gone out um, in the Tumblr post last week. So go ahead and check that out. Give that story some love. I can't even remember now why that came up. In- uh, Lyra, we're talking about Lyra. Episode- well, I know, but in episode 102... <laughs> It's all part of the chaos, all part of the journey. I know, you anyway. never know what we're gonna what we're gonna throw in some like weird modern AUs at some point. <laughs> this is totally related to this obscure little little fact. Um, but yeah, so there it is. But the reason that that came up is because we we're talking about Lyra and her background and stuff like that. It's kind of cool. Out of it. All so right. Episode one hundred and three. Um. You know, we left off on the last episode with Claire realizing she was basically a prisoner at Castle Leoc. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then the beginning of the episode here um, starts with a flashback as are interspersed a lot, especially in the first season. Um, she's saying goodbye to Frank um, as she goes off to be a nurse in the war. And Frank is like, 
definitely not being really cool about it. Well, no, I, I mean, he may feel a little, <sighs> yeah, I'll go there. He may, I, I get this, I got the sense he was feeling a little bit emasculated by sending his wife to the front lines while Absolutely. he was not. Um, e- which is even not though he was doing like, well, and he was doing like secret spy shit. So it's like, he really shouldn't yeah. be all like, I mean, <laughs> you can't have it both ways, Frank. Well, he was, I mean, but then he was also trying to pull strings and get her orders changed, which did not sit well with Claire at all. No, no, as you can imagine. Um, I'd love to have seen the fight over that, but uh, yeah, so they uh, kiss goodbye. I think did they kiss? I can't even remember now. I think yeah, kissed. as the as the train was pulling away. Although I do want to point out, so there was this really great line. Um before she gets on the before she gets on the train which was please listen to reason if not your husband frank (laughs) says that to claire and i feel like this is a statement that all of claire's husbands say to her at some point (laughs) he said it jamie says it in some capacity john says it in some capacity (laughs) even hal says it i think (laughs) I'm pretty sure everybody she encounters says it at some point. Like yeah. specifically, like if you okay, fine. If you're not going to do as your husband is telling you, or calmly, nicely suggesting, suggesting, at least don't be an idiot. But you know, um, Claire's headstrong. But yes. I do think it's kind of telling that. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> I do think it's kind of telling that even. John, when they're briefly married, um, <laughs> arguably my favorite of her three husbands. Absolutely. Um, even he said something to that effect. And then it was just kind of like, eh, whatever. <laughs> when she basically told him no. <laughs> you know, it's hilarious because, you know, John was married to Isabel and mm-hmm. she was just, I think, such a meek woman and very, I'm sure, very, like, she, she would never want to go on an adventure or do something unreasonable. But, like, she seems like she certainly would listen to her husband if he told her not to. And, you know, and then he, <laughs> you know, lives a lot of his life as a, as a, a non-married man for multiple reasons. Um, and then it's like, good and valid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then he marries Claire and I just don't really think he completely knew what he was getting himself into. <laughs> the thing about John though, is that, have you go like, I don't know if you've noticed, but you've probably noticed he keeps getting fed like shit sandwich after shit sandwich. And he kind of goes, Oh God, I guess we're doing this now. Fine. And that's kind of like there's this moment mm-hmm. of just, no, this can't be. And then just this terrible resignation. <laughs> he is the giving tree, right? You know that book, right? And that is John Gray. You haven't read that one? I have. It's on the it's on my list because it's been banned before, and I'm like a banned book kind of a fanatic. Um 
LeVar Burton told me to, but I haven't read that one. <laughs> I mean, honestly, everybody loves it. It's actually, I think, kind of a horrible book for children <laughs> because basically this young boy, right, he has a tree and um, when he's young, he like swings from its branches and they play together all the time and the tree's super happy. And then the boy grows up and he doesn't see the boy as much. And, you know, you see the boy like has carved his initials with some girl's initials in the tree and, you know, and, but the boy keeps coming back when he needs things like he, mm-hmm. and I'm going to mess up some of these things, but like he comes back saying. when he needs he needs like branches to um, build a boat or something like that. And he needs the apples to sell, to make money so he can um, ask this woman to marry him. And he, so he keeps like cutting things and taking things off the tree until like Mm. all through his life. And the tree is just so happy every time the boy just comes to visit him, even though he's like chopping away at his being. And finally he's just like this stump and the boy comes as an old man and like sits on the stump and it's just like the tree was happy. And like, if that isn't John Gray, like, (laughs) You know, I, it's just, I, I didn't he come just gives, gives tonight. Gives. Yeah. So um, maybe we'll do a dramatic Shit, reading of the, the giving tree sometime, but. Um, Can we not? Because now I'm freaking depressed. <laughs> it, it, it's, I, I honestly, I mean, it's, it's Shel Silverstein. So it's written well. Yeah. Um, and it's poignant, but like everybody's like, oh, it's such a great story. And I'm like, it's so sad. <laughs> this boy but just that's... uses the trees inside your life. And the tree's just happy for like whatever little crumbs the boy will give oh, him. God, you're right. That is Lord. Can I can we hug? Can we hug Lord Jackson? <laughs> Virtual hug. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that was and I mean, I think these are probably the tangents that our listeners probably live for at this point. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> crochet is yeah, also it's... a good hobby, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I always think of John as the giving tree, but he um, also just he right, dives in. He's he and Claire are actually quite a bit alike in a lot in in both of them sort of dive into things without really thinking about it absolutely no thought whatsoever like they will just work it out when they get there yeah exactly exactly but also when you read the lord john books he spends a lot of time in his head Mm -hmm. trying to reason things out but then he gets in like situations and he's just like just all reason like goes out of his head straight um But that's similar. I mean, Claire is like this super intelligent woman, but she does not think anything through. (laughs) Unless it's a medical emergency. Unless it's a medical emergency. Let's give her that. But Um, that comes back to the whole, but that comes back to the whole thing where, where Jamie says in the books, like you think with your body. And so like, she just kind of like, when it comes to a medical emergency, I think she, she gets this sort of like 
calmness and then like her mm-hmm. body just kind of knows what to do yeah you know but anyway that's a fun tangent that was a fun tangent okay let's get back into the episode here should we okay. I... <laughs> <laughs> I mean I could go on <laughs> we can I mean if you think about it like no one's told John this to my knowledge but he kind of thinks with his body too he does he does like he really does but that's part of i think some of that's his soldier's training right like yes so except for the points where he doesn't and he's two in his head like there's no in between man pick a side pick pick a a middle ground middle ground is okay (sighs) yeah maybe that's part of why i connect with john so much though is because like i like i do get in my head too much but then like once I'm like pushed into action, I'm just like all business. So no, no. that's, yeah, that's something that kind of resonates with me too. I, I, I overthink everything. <laughs> Absolutely overthink everything. Yeah. And that could be, yeah. Oh, John. They're, con- they're kind of an ideal couple in that way. Well, I guess maybe not. <laughs> Mutually, well, you know, uh, they're they're compatible. weirdly compatible yes um, yes let's try to think like mutual destruction or what's the term for that mutual mutually assured destruction yes well he's kind of <laughs> got that go. with he's kind of got that with jamie too i mean that's why that works absolutely like it wouldn't yeah. like in in real life that's one of those that's one of those relationships that is just wallpapered with red flags but in fiction, it's amazing. Yeah. In fiction, we call that chemistry and tension and we eat it up. <laughs> well, and what's interesting about Jamie, too, is that he doesn't make any moves without thinking. And I think if you kind of think about the hierarchical social structures of the time of, you know, Jamie he was born a second son, but he became, you know, the de facto oldest son mm-hmm. after his brother died. And John is the second son, right? So they grew up very diff. Well, they grew up very differently in a lot of ways, but in the way that they were taught to kind of live in the world is just um, very different because, yes. you know, John, although he does take on a lot of responsibilities, like he wasn't necessarily taught that he would have to, where Jamie was taught that everything was his responsibility. Right. Yeah. God. Good Lord. Yeah. A heap of guilt on top of it. Um, and that's how we make this about Lord John, even that is how in we- episode 103. 103. <laughs> when he's still 14 in an Aberdeen chasing frogs. And um, Liam. And Liam. We'll come back. We'll come back to Liam. We're going to have to stretch yes. this out. We're going to have a lot of Lord John in this episode because I'm feeling it. Yeah. Feeling it today. So let's go back thinking, to. Oh, sorry. I was just no. thinking like we like I'm like, we got to get more John content in there because it's so hard in this first season. So I'm glad that it just came up sort of uh 
on natural. Very, very organically. We'll do that again. Yes. <laughs> Just like, you know, anyway. a good, you know, you know, my favorite person that Claire ever married. Um, <laughs> oh. again. So let's circle Always. back around. Let's circle back around to, to Frank um, trying to get Claire, trying to pull strings to get Claire's orders changed. And, you know, like I've heard people say that, oh, he's so controlling. Oh, what a dick. I think he's just being really protective. Like he just wants to protect his wife, you know? Yeah. I mean, setting aside the whole stupidity of him feeling emasculated by Claire going to the front. Um. <laughs> No, I mean, I don't th I don't think in this instance he had like a controlling uh, feeling behind doing that. I mean, he's just I think, you know, I mean, would Jamie want Claire to go to the front? You know, he often tried to tell her to to not go with him. So it's the same same sentiment. That makes sense. See, I I said a good thing about Frank. You said a good thing about Frank. I'm really I'm proud of you. We'll call that growth. Three three episodes in, and we're growing as people. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't know. I don't know for growing or I or <laughs> getting weirder, infecting, <laughs> like multiplying like a virus. I'm not really sure. <laughs> Okay. All right. So thus ends <laughs> thus ends the flashback. Or flash forward. Oh god, is it a flashback? Oh or god, is, don't is make it, my brain hurt. It's, so it's okay. Now, hold on. It's a flashback in that it happened it's not happening currently in the narrative. It happened in Claire's past because Claire is the narrator and so it's her point of view. And so the story is based on her personal timeline. So it is a flashback, even though for everybody else around her on the entire planet, at this exact moment in time, it is a flash forward because yes. time is a circle <laughs> and it changes and travels if you fall through a rock. And have that's the how real I, lesson. That's the real lesson. Have I told you today how much I love Doctor Who fan fiction? It's lovely. It's lovely. <laughs> this is not me and, making fun of Doctor Who. I swear, I'm really not. I have never read Doctor Who fan fiction other than Outlander. That's it. Just wanted to disclaimer. Please don't at me over that. I'll have nothing to say in my defense <laughs> at all. <laughs> Just plead the fifth. Just plead the fifth. <laughs> about it. So after the flashback forward thing, flash the flash ends. Then we get flashed because Claire's taking a bath. Um, it, Mrs. Fitz is helping her to dress, right? Which bonus. Um, and Claire has this kind of a, she starts daydreaming about telling Mrs. Fitz that she's from the future. And her daydream doesn't go very well at all. And this is kind of a good place where they introduce this kind of like the, the underpinning of demonology and superstition, witchcraft, that sort of thing. Because in her daydream, even in her dreams, this doesn't go well. <laughs> um, Mrs. Fist starts screaming, ah, you're a witch. I'm a good Christian woman, all that stuff. And 
that kind of, that theme kind of follows Claire around, but it does make me wonder, could that have been a self-fulfilling prophecy for Claire? Now she's expecting mm. to be treated like a witch. She's a witch. True. I not thought of that before. I just pulled that, you know, out of my back pocket, we'll say. Hmm. It's an interesting theory because yes, yeah, I mean, she is the first person to imagine herself being called a witch. So, um, and in fact, well, I guess though Mrs. Fitz does later in the episode um, get a little, you know, when she when they're talking about um, the boy that's sick, like she does get a little into the mysticism and stuff, but she's actually generally a very level-headed person. <laughs> she is um and we'll we'll come back around to except when she's throwing father bane out of her sister's house which i support this as a general life choice yes absolutely um yeah so claire has and of course when you're watching the show for the first time you know you have no idea that she's imagining this because it doesn't really like look make it look like a dream sequence there's no shimmer (laughs) you're like oh dear god the whole thing's gonna end right now (laughs) there's no there's no harp to let you know that it's (laughs) 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 Uh, in my head nice anyway so i say that too much I got to get a different segue anyway. Oh, so last, <laughs> last week, I would like to, I, I will point this out. I'm going to own it. Last week, the, the f- phrase of the week was unpack that. <laughs> we were very into unpacking this. <laughs> or not. I guess we were like, we're not going to unpack that or let's unpack this. Um, we said that probably 19 times <laughs> wow. last week. We're nothing if not consistent, so. (laughs) That's a nice word for repetitive. (laughs) There's comfort in repetition. We are not, we're not professionals here, people. We're not professional podcasters. I'm a, I can't speak for, for you, but I'm a professional asshole. I'm really good at it. Yes, that, that (laughs) I am, but (laughs) I'm a professional bullshitter, but. (laughs) And here we are. Hey, we are professionals. There you go. That's really all you need, right? That's all you need. And someone gave us microphones. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. So, so yeah. Have... So you go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, all right. So we have, we have the daydream that goes really horribly, but Claire snaps out of it. And then we realize that she was actually daydreaming. Um, so now they're talking, so we're starting to talk, to talk about the gathering, right? Yes, the gathering is coming. Um, there hasn't been one in quite a long time. So um, they're really happy because basically most of the Mackenzies are going to be coming to Castle Leoc and it's just like a big old camp out, right? Um, and everyone will get together. Um, and so she's, she's really happy. Mrs. Fitz is really happy because that means that because Claire's there, she'll be able to focus on the kitchen and feeding everybody and not dealing with everybody's aches Drunken and pains injuries. and boo-boos, which are, I have a feeling, quite abundant 
during a Mackenzie clan mm-hmm. gathering. Oh God. Yeah. Um, with all that Rhenish. So, so here Claire sees this opportunity um, to, to further endear herself to himself um, by here's an opportunity for her to prove herself useful as as a healer full-time so that's you were gonna say something go ahead yeah she it's kind of a (laughs) little bit naive though because she's like oh maybe if i make myself a good healer and they like me then they'll be more likely to let me go right yes that's that's kind of going back to the wonderful geography that she did of I'm on my way from <laughs> Oxfordshire to, to France by way of the Highlands. That worked so clearly. Um, I'm going to prove myself an invaluable asset and they're definitely going to let me leave. She, I think she's still not quite getting these men, right? She's like. Not. She's just still not quite, quite there. Not quite. She does have a good, um, she has a good conversation with Colm, kind of um, earns a little bit of his respect with her humor when he asks if she can, if she can sew and she's like, just, just skin, (laughs) which wouldn't make a good garment or whatever she said. Um, I mean, leather's a thing, but that's not what she meant. (laughs) Well, and I think that, you know, that speaks to Colm because, you know, it it really is sort of like he's the, you know, he's the brains and Jougal's the brawn. So, you know, I think he, though Colm is wary of Claire, I think he appreciates her, her wit and her, um, her abilities and her humor. And Dougal is just like... It, he's just not, he's just not smart enough (laughs) to really appreciate those parts of her. I'm sorry, but he's just kind of, Mm, I disagree. Dougal is shrewd. Dougal is brilliant. Um, We can get into this later, but he's quite the family man. Um, He is. Yes. Quite the family man. He's definitely, definitely dedicated to his, his whole family. Um, but he's, no, he's, he's quite brilliant actually in kind of a scary sort of way. Um, but I, I think, I think we're selling him short if we just say that he's, he's just, he's just the muscle. He is the muscle, but he's not just the muscle. See, I don't, I don't see him as brilliant and I don't necessarily mean that he's like just a total like airhead or anything, but. (laughs) I I just mentally put him in a long blonde wig. (laughs) (laughs) Talking like a valley girl. Um, (laughs) But I don't see him. I just don't see him as brilliant. And I think part of that is he's like, I mean, if Claire is a reactive person, Dougal, I, I see as being like, way farther on the reactive spectrum than she is. And um, he has a really hard time getting out of his own way. And while he may be 
he I will give him that he is good at plots and things like that. Like he's good at coming up with schemes, mm-hmm. but I don't think he sees nuance the way that like column or Jamie see nuance. He's very black and white. I will agree with you on that one. He does not have the gray area down the way that column and Jamie do, which kind of, Nope. I'm going to put a pin in that and save it for the next episode because it comes up in the next episode. Um, nice. Okay. Pretend I said nothing, but I'm not going to edit that out. Enjoy. <laughs> but you're, you just but you are right. that little nugget for a week. <laughs> let it, bu- let it buck you. Um, but no, you are right that Dougal is a lot more black and white than Colin and than Jamie are. And he, Dougal is smart and Dougal is shrewd, but he is never going to outsmart Colin. No. And I think that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the heart of the sibling rivalry there. You know, like Colm's the older of the two, but Dougal's never, and Dougal sees him as lesser because of his medical condition, because of his health, but he'll never outsmart him. No. And I think that drives Dougal a little bit batty. And I think, some of Jamie's frustration with Dougal comes from, so, you know, here's Dougal and he's never going to outsmart Column. Um, And he, as Jamie, Jamie's right about the age right now, probably where he's done being outsmarted by Dougal. Mm -hmm. Um, And Dougal desperately um, wants to kind of hold on to that sort of power that he has over Jamie and that superiority. And I think that's, I think that's where a lot of the conflict between those two comes because there's a frustration in Jamie um, because he knows that he has better ideas than Dougal, but Dougal's not going to respect those because, you know, he's older, you know, he's his uncle um, and he's, just one of those people that is not going to relinquish any power that he has. Right. right. And there's, and I kind of feel like there's got to be, there's, there has to be some resentment there as well, because here's Dougal who for a time was Jamie's guardian because he fostered with Dougal. That was just, that was the, the, the tradition of the time and place. Yeah. And Dougal fought, taught him how to fight. Yes, um, with his taught him how to fight ambidextrous because Dougal's also left-handed. Not something that was incorporated into the show, much to my dismay. But I get it. You can only ask <laughs> Sam Hewen to do so many things. And all of the things he does are wonderful. Suddenly becoming a lefty is probably a little bit of a bridge too far. <laughs> I can definitely... Just a smidge. Just a smidge. I can for sure forgive it. Um, it's a drop in the bucket. <laughs> but, but so there's... I mean, so there's definitely that that power that Dougal is always going to have over him, and there's for sure resentment there for a lot of reasons, which will again come up in in later episodes. Well, all right, that was another wonderful tangent. We're we're going to have a hard time um, keeping within that thirty minutes. <laughs> just just a little bit of a hard time, I think. You know, we've, we've been going for about fifteen minutes right now so yeah something like that okay so hey let's um 
can we can we shoot on to Claire? Let's just completely change the subject. Claire playing wingman for Jamie. Well, for Vera. <laughs> that's I think that's one of the funniest things of this episode. That I mean, there's a lot of like little comedy nuggets in there, right? Like Claire trying to to <laughs> trying to fix up uh, you know, Leary and and Jamie and I mean I think she's kind of sincere about it too, you know, because she doesn't think, I mean, she, there's definitely like an attraction to Jamie, but she thinks she's leaving. So, right. Um, so she really is. She's like, she's like, Hey man, you know, you're my bro. Like you've been my bro since I got here. So like four I'm days ago, to help, you know, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to try to help you out. And Jamie is just so fucking clueless. <laughs> He's obviously well, he's crushing on Claire. And I here know. She is being in the obnoxious older sister trope, right? And he's yes. just having a really hard time making this compute in his testosterone stuffed brain. Poor guy. <laughs> he really is not nice to Leary. Like <laughs> he's not. When they're when they're watching um what's his name? The Bard, uh Gwilin? Is that how you say Gwilin the Bard, yeah. Yeah. Sounds um, about right. And she's like trying claire's trying to make conversation for jamie with lyra and jamie's just like ah yeah you were a kid last time i saw you snot-nosed brat (laughs) and claire's like i wouldn't i wouldn't have noticed you i was i was so pompous back then um back then back then then. I see. He's pointing the ass, and she. Lyra's not to be deterred, but also he did just take a beating for, her, you know. So like, he can do no wrong in Lyra's eyes. Of course. Which there's a metaphor in there, and I don't. <laughs> there's a metaphor. If if you know, you know. I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, if you think about, you know, her being young and like, you know, having a crush, you know, it's, it's very kind of typical, right? Like he thinks that he, he didn't do this for her because, because he had feelings for her, right? He very plainly told Claire, like he did it because he didn't want her to be humiliated. And it was just more of a humanity thing than, you know, wanting to get in her skirts but she's so plus young what's that plus his own trauma plus, yeah and his own trauma so and then and plus and in the books too he has this whole story about how um he got beaten up in the hall because he they were like making fun of mrs fitz and how embarrassing it was and how awful and and all that stuff but of course, Leary is what is she like? Fifteen, sixteen, something like that. Like, Some, yeah, young. She's she's obviously like kind of take like immediately interpret it as something different, and that's just. Absolutely. I think that's pretty normal. I mean, I would have when I when I was fifteen or sixteen, I would have too. Absolutely, an age appropriate response. Um, but I will I will say so. Like, it's kind of it's kind of easy to forget because at the time that we're recording this, 
it's May 2022 and season six has just ended a couple of weeks ago. So where we're at in the current, quote unquote, current part of the show, Jamie and Claire are not in their 20s. They're not spring chickens at this point. And so this kind of playful teasing, Claire kind of ribbing Jamie a lot, um, trying to play wingman for, for Lyra to hook him up with her. It's a very youthful thing. And that was something that really struck me as I rewatched the episode was like, oh my God, they're like children. They're adorable. They are. They really are. They're like, you know, I mean, he's just 23, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it, he's, they're very, they're very, you know, immature for lack of a better word and, and just sort of. But, and it's funny to think about that because of all that they've been through, right? Like Claire's been married. She's had, she's been to war. She's had her lover, Daria. Um, Jamie has been through just absolute hell with being flogged and almost killed by his uncle and, and everything in between, but they still have that um, sort of youthful way about them. It is, it is kind of sweet. I'll give them that. And, I mean, and Jamie honestly, John is my OTP, but <laughs> but I'll give them that. They're cute. They're, they're cute kids. I'll give them that. They are. They are. You know, and Jamie, uh, this is sort of setting up um, the a theme that we see quite a bit, you know, throughout the entire series that, you know, Jamie generally speaking, like, you know, like we've just talked about how smart he is and how he reasons through things and stuff like that. But he is also deep down in his core, a complete disaster. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, you know, in in an endearing way, most of the time, but (laughs) he's a complete disaster. He won an epitome of the disaster by. Absolutely. He 100% needs either a woman or a John. <laughs> that sounded wrong. <laughs> Today's fan fiction recommendation is a sex worker AU. <laughs> I'm kidding. But he need, he needs somebody to keep him grounded. And when he doesn't have somebody to keep him grounded, it is like disaster city. Um, but we'll see more of that in, in later seasons for sure. <laughs> Unfortunately for this poor dude, it, <laughs> the people that he has to keep him grounded are Claire and Lord John, who are also <laughs> walking disasters. <laughs> But somehow it works. It okay. works. It works. It makes for good literature. It makes for good TV. God. Oh boy. I'm so excited oh. for season three. Um, shall we move on? <laughs> the next episode will be season, uh, episodes four through 12 of the first season. And <laughs> um, yes, let's move on. Yes, move okay. on. So, so now, so we've kind of mentioned um, the sick. The, so there's a sick kid. There's a dead kid. That came out really cold. Sorry, um, because they went to the Black Kirk and they got possessed 
by the devil or something and one of the boys is was already sickly and he's already succumbed and the other one is sick so claire's kind of on this mystery because of course claire is is far too educated worldly and modern to believe in spirits like that and And this is where it turns into an episode of 18th century csi it kind of does but better lighting weirdly enough it's very true. <laughs> Mostly because it's outside <laughs> in the daytime, not at night with, you know, like flashing police lights. Um, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So we have this, This she's going to go on this walk with Galus and they're talking about um, Father Bane, who is a dick, um, by the Ugh. way. He's, he's, I have a list of characters that if I could transport myself into the world of Outlander, I want to make cry. He's on the list. Oh yeah, absolutely. Five minutes. I just need five minutes alone. Um, You know, and he would—he totally seems like the type that if he actually gets like truly cornered, would just like crumble into like big fat tears and be like, "Don't hurt me." Mm." Yes. Yes. (laughs) So satisfying. Anyway, um, so Gayless here while they're. They're talking about Claire doesn't believe, obviously, that the the children are were possessed. And Galus is kind of riding the fence. I got that. I kind of got the sense that she was sort of riding yeah. the fence about it. She's kind of like she's taking the kind of the mysticism is a thing. What am I trying to say? What the hell am I trying to say? Pan, get it together. She's kind of taking the middle ground here. Like it's probably not, but Who's to say it isn't, you know? She kind of leans into it. Because I think we talked before about how Galus really leans into, yeah, I'm a witch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She she leans into it. But she kind of reminds me of Dario a little bit here in that Dario was kind of into mysticism and stuff. I mean, she was obviously, you know, very educated and talented nurse, just like Claire. Um, but she had, because of her upbringing, she had a little bit more of a friendly relationship with the otherworldly kind of things. And I think it that may explain why Claire is still so drawn to Galus because she reminds her of Daria so much, even though Galus is herself a walking red flag. There's something about her. There's something about her that just feels familiar, I think. Well, and wasn't it Daria? She was the one that got Claire into, you know, in the first episode, Claire talks about how she'd been getting into learning about, medicine through you know herbs and and things like that so i think she i think daria is the one that pointed her in that direction i think you're right i'd have to i'd have to go check but i think you're right and and i think this is probably why claire has a little bit of a blind spot when it comes to galus too like she's just galus is like waving those red flags and claire's just Really doesn't see it even later on when her husband's like, stay away from that woman. <laughs> right. But does Claire listen to her husband? No. No. <laughs> We've established that in the flashback forward thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, and and I think I think she's Galus here though is also trying to like kind of I, I mean, I, I think Galus knows it's nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. That the boy was not possessed, but she's trying to 
almost role model for Claire, like, you know, without just coming out and saying it because she, she can't like girlfriend, you need to like act like the people here a little bit more. You, yeah. You're standing when in out, Rome, you know? lady. Yeah. <laughs> when in Rome. A lesson, a lesson which Claire never learns. Never. Uh, <laughs> never. <laughs> she just leans into it more of, you know, being different, but um, yeah, so she's, she's really trying to model for Claire. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you've got to tone it down a little. So I'm going to skip through a couple of things. So we've got some more. So Claire goes to visit uh, Tamas Baxter, the boy who's sick, which is Mrs. Fitz's nephew, I think. Nephew, um, yeah. Right. And has a really lovely chat, you know, takes tea with Father Bain. God, I hate him. Um, and she's even more not convinced, but she gets some more information, that kind of thing. Teases Jamie at supper. Oh, we have to pause here because I was about to blow right past Claire seeing Jamie and Lyra necking in the stairwell. Mm-hmm. And that kind of conjures some, um, some feelings in Claire, I would say. I'd say so too. Probably quite confusing, but also at this point, she's still thinking of herself as married to Frank. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which makes it even more conflicting, right? Cause she's like, I think she definitely feels that jealousy. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why she teases him later. Um, but uh, you know, she's like kind of like push it down. I don't, you know, yeah, I'm not putting a coherent sentence together, but probably the the whole teasing him later is her way of kind of pushing the jealousy down. That's that makes where sense. I going. That makes I can see um, that. So I think we can take a pause. Um, is it time for time. the Jamie it's- Bonner scale? It's time for the Jamie Fraser bonus scale. I have a spreadsheet now, everybody. Um, so, <laughs> so I am tracking. There's even a graph, you guys. There's a pivot graph. I love Excel. So, uh, so far, we are trending on the Jamie Fraser erection scale with our huge sample of two episodes. Um <laughs> Beth tends to rate Jamie's boners just slightly higher than I do. <laughs> Usually only by a quarter of a penis, though. <laughs> I tried to keep a straight face. I can't do it. Trying to be professionals about this. It's fail so after we couldn't decide on a rubric i created one um beth's just gonna go with her gut but i'm gonna go with the rubric so i'm i'm going to rate i'm, I'm taking a score on a scale of one to five penises on a um a five axis metric here so timing of this of this particular boner um it's appropriate timing Making out with someone is a good time. It's a good time to get a boner. It's appropriately... I'll get the appropriateness of four. It's not all that hot. 
I forgot one of the things I put on here was stamina. Uh, he's not injured, so <laughs> it's not super impressive. Comedy value, go middle of the road. Okay, so according to my scientific calculations, I give the Jamie necking with Lyra assumed boner a three. Three penises. I... So we, we should come up with some way for me to do this so that we're really doing it blind. But I was going to say three as well. But I think it started as a two. But then when he saw Claire watching, it went up to a three. Oh, good one. I think, yeah. Okay. So here's what we'll do next time we do we do the penis scale is boner scale. Actually, what are we calling it? <laughs> whatever next time we start talking about next time we talk about dick um which will be in about five minutes i will let you go first and then i will go through my scientific explanation okay (laughs) next that that makes sense oh i'm not gonna say okay i'm not gonna say it moving right along (laughs) all right so what's next in this episode um it's there's a lot in this episode a lot happens uh, so um, they, more or less next, um, Claire goes to visit Galus to stock up on hangover supplies. <laughs> for the Mackenzie gathering. More, more or less. Um, yeah. And first we get to see um, the fiscal <laughs> live and in person. Yeah. Um, he's a treat. He's <laughs> <laughs> <is> flatulent. <laughs> God. <laughs> Though we find out why later. Yes. (laughs) It was intentional. (laughs) Why would you do that? Galus asks a Um, lot of really intrusive questions. She's really inappropriate. A lot of really intrusive questions. I would so the one of the reasons that we see we see the fiscal um he comes in to get something for his belly ache that his wife totally caused. He's not wise to. Anywho, um, he is sentencing a boy who has just been convicted of stealing bannocks, two of them. And so they were going to take off his hand. Um, and Claire seems super, super like appalled. a really appropriate level of punishment for that, you know, like <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and Claire is super appalled, but I would like, which I mean, yes. But I would like to point out for someone who in a previous episode, and it's not like there were that many. So from the beginning of all of this, for someone who is in theory, academically, at least familiar with the 18th century, the time and the place, she sure is shocked by a lot. Yeah. You know, I think some of that, though, comes from like, because I'm, I'm really into like, um, like a lot of anything 18th century and and earlier like I really love to read about history and kings and and all of that and I think some of it is that I mean now if you read a book about like just say for example Henry VIII's court like you're gonna get like the real deal because the mm-hmm. historians don't hold back but I'm thinking like in the 40s they did though they did it was hold back probably pretty glossed over like you know just how you know tough it was and and how just you know I mean people used to just like go to hangings like it was like you know 
going to the movies. And I think people just had like a, just a, their regard for human life was just very different for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, but their idea of justice um, was definitely different. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think you would, I don't think you would hear about those things in, in history books, you know? And there is a difference. I will, I will give Claire this, this, there is a difference between reading about harsh punishments at the time Mm -hmm. and seeing a kid get his ear nailed to a pillory. Oh God. There is a difference between knowing it and seeing it, but this is, but she does. So she is shocked by a lot of things. And I guess this is maybe just like her glass face. She can't, she can't keep a thought to herself, but people notice like column says, don't you have demons in Oxfordshire? He was kind of joking, but the sentiment is still there. And Galus, don't they have punishments where you're from? And again, she was probably just trying to get more information, but still, that's um, true. <laughs> it's kind of back to like you're being a bad liar. She forgot her get out of jail free card, which was oh France. <laughs> I think France has left the building. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. So, and not only is she appalled um, by the punishment, but then when she when Jamie comes and saves her from having to have more girl talk with Galus, um, she's surprised too that they don't just, somebody doesn't just come along and remove the nail so the boy can go. Like he's going to have to stand up and let his nail or his ear be ripped away by the nail to get up from the pillory. So you've ever had a piercing go wrong. And that was oh. sterilized. Like, think about it. <laughs> Ugh, gross. I, I had to have, I had my cartilage pierced when I was in high school. Cause that's when it was like, you know, it was trendy cool at the time. Just, yeah. You know, and, um, my mom worked at the school and I got, it got infected and my mom and the school nurse had to hold me down and pull it out with pliers because oh, it got God. so infected. <laughs> oh sorry about that people i should have given a warning a trigger warning i'll put it on the tumblr post warning beth talks about her gross infected piercing (laughs) oh god but jamie Um, does jamie saves the kid um he saves the day because he's a big old softy he is and And uh then in her pants Again, because she's like, you have big, strong hands, don't you? (laughs) Such a line. (laughs) Such a line. It's like, why? Why, yes, I do. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so then um, she she goes to see Tamis Baxter, and she realizes that um, or am I am I in the wrong spot now? Let me think. Um, no, they so Jamie she gets Jamie to take her to the Black Kirk, right? Because she has she has uh, some ideas of what might have sickened the two boys. So um, off they go to the Black Kirk, and um, they have a little. They kind of get a chance to 
just hang out and talk a little bit without, you know, everybody else always interrupting and around Hanging and around. stuff. You know, they get, they get some, they get some private alone time. Good for bonding. And Claire is at this point has kind of just like they had, had it kind with of everybody without, without everybody like looking over their shoulder. Um, yeah. Well, but I mean, she's like also like she's had it with everybody in this whole like possession yeah. with the devil and you know all this other crap. And uh, so, so she kind of I think she kind of assumes that Jamie believes this stuff too. Yeah, but he and he doesn't. Although, so he, he Jamie's a very practical person. I, I really love this conversation um, because he has such a practical way of interpreting things. So I hadn't considered this in these terms until I started rewatching, until I rewatched this episode. But he has a very pragmatic relationship with his faith, which is not mm-hmm. something I think that comes across if you look at things individually or even like if you're not looking for it, you almost don't see it, but it's this, when Claire asks him, do you think it's the devil? Don't you believe it that it's the devil? And he's like, I'm educated. I don't think so, but I'm not gonna like insult Satan in his own church. Right. Yeah. Which is practical and fair. Like, okay, I can respect this. This is practical and fair. And we see this kind of, we see this in later seasons. I'm specifically thinking of when Jamie is an Ardsmuir and he becomes a Freemason. Yes. To try to bridge the gap with um, Christy, with Tom Christie. And there's this, well, wait a second. Doesn't the Pope forbid this? Pope's not here. Yeah. Which is also a fair statement. So it's, it's very interesting. So his, his relationship, I really want to, I would really love to like dig into this a little bit further, but his relationship with his faith is surprisingly pragmatic. He's definitely a devout Catholic and there's nothing like that's not ever going to change, but the way he incorporates that into how he moves through the real world is very interesting. It, it's very similar, I think, to his approach and his attitude towards the law. Um, you know, he, he is a very pragmatic person mm-hmm. and um, he generally respects the law except when he thinks the law is stupid. <laughs> yeah. If it's, if it's and it, unjust. It, yeah. Yeah. And he, um, or even sometimes, you know, inconvenient. Well, <laughs> yeah. Inconvenient. But even if it's inconvenient, he finds a way to like figure out how it's unjust too. So he can kind of reason his way out of it. But like, you know, he's he kind of, he kind of only respects the law when it lines up with his moral code. And when it doesn't, he mm-hmm. really doesn't give a damn. Oh, absolutely. And it's, 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 it's a very similar approach. And if you think about it, religion is many things, but it's, it's a set of rules, right. Is mm-hmm. one of the things that it is. So I think he's, um, you know, he, he's just really someone who's just like, I've got my own 
moral code and some of it comes from Catholicism for sure, but he's not going to worry about that if it goes against, you know, what he thinks is the right thing to do in his, you know, in, in his reasonableness and, and in his heart. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no wonder John loves him so much. Well, and John's very much the same way. I mean, he's a little more um, on the, the law and order. He has a harder time reconciling when the law doesn't match up with his moral code, mm-hmm. even though he ultimately does go with his moral code more often than not. Um, but they're very similar in that way. They are very similar. I, John is definitely a character who is going to err on the side of towing the line if for no other reason than self-preservation. Exactly. Um, But we see when it comes to the people he loves and cares about, that just kind of goes out the window. Yeah. (laughs) When Jamie is involved, John loses all reason. And when John's involved, Jamie loses all reason. This is a theme. (laughs) (laughs) and part of that goes back to jamie also being a disaster so you know (laughs) absolute absolute disaster by which is what i find so endearing about him he's that makes him the most relatable character because we recognize our own (laughs) it's so true it's so true oh my gosh but Um, i mean that 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 pragmatic approach to religion and law which are you can't in this time period you can't extricate one from the other god this got deep how did that happen um no <laughs> okay we're having a Whatever. lot of good let's, chats we are a lot of good chats tonight with it. but that pragmatic relationship between jamie's personal ethics and his moral code his his faith the law that sort of thing it's a very it's a very handy way to exist in a world in this setting, in this time and place as a bisexual man. Very true. Very true. Although, um, no, I'm good. You're good? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I had a thought, but then I was like, no, it's, no. Um, yeah. And that'll follow him um, throughout, I think. As he, you know, um, experience, has experiences with different people, meets mm-hmm. John, and all of those things. Yeah. So we are nearly, oh, were we, were we going to, let's revisit the boner scale again. Um, because this kind of relates to one of our fic racks this week. Yes. Yes. So when Jamie has Claire alone at the Black Kirk, um you know he had a boner. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Although, you know, they're talking about life and death. They're trying to, you know, save a boy's life. So I'm going to go with a three again. So I, I, uh, I did my, my rubric and I came up with three as well. So, Hey, we tied. Look at that. See, I just go with my gut. You got your rubric and we're pretty close every time. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We got two 
boner ratings in one episode. Look at us go. I love it. Um, anyway, in between the boners, though, Claire does um, realize that uh, she finds a, a leaf and she asks Jamie, you know, um, if, if he, because he says he used to go up there to the Black Kirk when, you know, when he was a kid and it's kind of like a rite of passage type thing, but he never ate this plant that she sees because he doesn't like wood garlic. And uh, Claire says, well, it's not wood garlic, it's Lily of the Valley. And thus we have solved the mystery of um, why these kids are getting sick because they're eating Lily of the Valley. I feel like we... I feel like we were cheated. How does she know? Either they look exactly the same. What's the difference? Do you know the difference? You know, we probably should have looked this up before this episode, but instead we'll look it up later and do it in the corrections next week. (laughs) Since we've went through all the trouble of having that section and we've really been on point and haven't made up anything today. So yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so she solves she solves the mystery. It's not wood garlic, it's Lily of the Valley. And so now she has to go face off with Father Bane again. Ugh. Um, he continues to be a dick, but Mrs. Fitz is a badass bitch and throws Chef's him kiss. out of the house. Love yeah, you, Mrs. Like, Fitz. She's like, Claire is my girl. She's my she's the healer. She fucking knows what she's doing. And get the fuck out, Father Bane, because I'm going to let her take care of my nephew. Absolutely. She really takes ownership of that situation, takes command of it. Love her. Love it. Good job. Love it. Claire saves the, saves the day. And we are left But makes with, an enemy. But makes an, <laughs> makes an enemy. Not like he's the... Not like he's a powerful person or anything. That won't come back. Not like she didn't piss off the one person she probably shouldn't piss. Should not have pissed off. off. Um, But to be fair, he started pissed off. Well, yeah. I mean, he wasn't happy with her to begin with. And she dared to be a woman. Shame, shame. (sighs) In in his presence. Oh, boy. Um, Well, and then the episode ends in the great hall again where Gwil and the bard is um singing a song and um he sings a song that jamie translates and it's about a woman who um goes through the stones um has some adventures with strangers who become lovers and friends and then goes back home again to her man and that gives claire um, some hope <laughs> that she'll get back to Frank, which when you're talking about a woman who has spent the entire episode um, flirting you know, with somebody poo-pooing, else. Well, and poo-pooing anything that wasn't oh. like scientific oh fact. <laughs> then she hears this freaking song and she's like, that's Dude. the answer. <laughs> That's, damn, you're right. (laughs) Wow, Claire. Oh, God. She's a little bit of a disaster herself. A little, slightly. Again, we recognize her own. So, well, that, um, that, that brings us to the end 
of the episode. Of that half hour. That half hour. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, we, we pulled it in just just under. It's about 29 just, minutes yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining somebody after we post this episode, do these chicks own a watch? Like, do they know? <laughs> Or they're gonna think they had some sort of like um, glitch in the glitch in the matrix, right? Like they're gonna be like, I was driving, and they said only half an hour went by, but it's how long did I disassociate? (laughs) I'm going seventy five miles an hour. Um, Oh God! So we the only thing we have left are our fic wrecks we actually have two and the reason we have two so this is kind of funny um i'm gonna go ahead and own it but we both are we are recommending our own fan fiction that we wrote because here's the ironic the fun part we both wrote a story based on the exact same scene but we went two completely different directions with it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so um the one that I wrote is called Spite the Devil. Um, you can find it on AO3 under uh, my my name on there, J Sweet Bray. And uh, I definitely went uh, one direction. <laughs> if you watched the Black Kirk scene, then you thought, you know what this needs is a blowjob. This is the fix <laughs> for you. I mean, what scene doesn't need a blowjob? It's too, don't answer, I can think don't answer that. <laughs> don't answer that. <laughs> oh God! Has the scene we and then oh, the scene we skip. Never mind. Nope. And then, <laughs> and then yours is called "Comfortable in His." Again. And I didn't see that you had added this, so I actually haven't read this one. So I'm going to go read this um, after after we finish recording. This is um, not this is not even blowjob adjacent. Um, this was actually <laughs> this was actually a prompt that someone sent me on Tumblr now several months ago, which was based on the line where Jamie says he had a good tutor who taught him Latin and Greek. And so in Comfortable in His Skin, this is like a pre-canon thing where we explore who that tutor was and Jamie learning some things about himself. It's, it's rated, it's a gen, it's, it's rated G, which is, or maybe I rated it T, I don't remember, whatever. Um, it's not smutty in the slightest. It's actually quite fluffy, which is not not normal for me i like but yeah so we'll link every once and again every so often you need some wholesome fluff um so we'll link both of those in the tumblr post if you happen to not find us via tumblr if you found us via twitter or whatever you can hop over to the hell site affectionate and check that out and i think that is all we have for today I think so. Well, thank you very much. This was a really good conversation. This was, we actually got weirdly deep. I'm kind of I'm kind of pleased I'm... with this one. I, <laughs> I hope it made sense. I, it made sense in the I know. moment. I hope it makes sense in post. <laughs> I know I didn't uh, make sense a couple times, but I think I pulled it together. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. All right, everyone. Thank you everyone for listening and we will talk to you next time. Bye now. Bye. This podcast is not affiliated with Outlander, Sony, Stars, and definitely 100% not with Diana Gabaldon. All opinions expressed are our own, and we may not even believe them ourselves. In fact, nothing in this podcast should be taken seriously as a general rule. We may not even be real people. Does this podcast even exist? This podcast is not suitable for children, immature adults, homophobes, anyone who takes fandom too seriously, people who don't understand that the characters aren't real, people with sticks up their ass, people who hate fun, and people who have no sense of humor. Do not try any of these hot takes at home. We are professionals. The FDA has not approved this podcast for human consumption. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, the urge to send us anonymous homophobic hate, ringing in your ears, and constipation. If you experience any of these side effects, ask your doctor if dying mad about it is right for you. If you know us in real life, no, you don't.